Welcome to the December 20th sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 35, and the sermon is entitled, The Prophecy of Simeon, delivered today by Pastor Michael Fitzgerald. As we celebrate the fourth Sunday of the Advent season, uh, Christmas Day coming this week, I want to begin this sermon by saying to you that I, along probably with most of us, have developed an idyllic picture of what the first Christmas was like. Uh, As I think about that, I see Joseph and Mary coming into this peaceful, perhaps snow-covered village of Bethlehem on their trip as they are coming into town. And although there was no room for them in the inn, somehow there was a warm barn that was provided for them so that Jesus could be born in some relative comfort uh, of the warmth of the barn. It's a very serene picture that has over the years developed in my mind, a, a picture of cattle and sheep uh, perhaps even candles in the windows as they looked out from that barn and saw the little quiet town of Bethlehem and the peace of that evening. But in reality, really what happened was quite different from that. You know, J. Vernon McGee said, don't get your theology from Christmas cards. Sometimes we see those Christmas cards and see the peace and we miss the reality of really what the first Christmas was like. Mary and Joseph came into Bethlehem after a grueling trip from Nazareth. They had to travel 90 miles to get from Nazareth to Bethlehem. It was not a trip that they chose, but rather a tyrant of a ruler demanded that they, along with everyone in the Roman Empire, go to their city of their family's birth to be registered for a base of taxation that would raise the money that would come into the leadership of the Roman Empire. They did not choose to make this 90-mile trip, but rather it was forced upon them. The road was not easy. The road was long, filled with potholes, filled with stones, and of course, even on a trip in that day, in many spots of the road, there were thieves in the bushes waiting to ambush people who were coming by on their trip. I'm sure that as Mary and Joseph came into the town of Bethlehem, Mary, in the last phases of her pregnancy, they were exhausted. Uh, They were overwhelmed by the trip that they had to take, and then they get into town, And Bethlehem is way over capacity of the people they could handle. This was a little quiet village. It was the city of David. It was the city of David's birth. Uh, So it was an important city, but it was a quiet, rural place, and the city was not that big. So they come into this town, and it's over capacity with people, people who were irritable, people who were desperately looking for a place to stay, looking for a place that they could bed down for the night, and that space was tiny, it was small, as all of the people flowing into town, coming for this taxation, tried to find a place to stay. Somehow, And we don't know how because it's not given to us in the biblical record, but somehow God provided a barn to Mary and Joseph so that the baby could be born there. The barn was not heated, of course, and probably in the cold, the Christ child came into the world. He came into the world the hard way. I want us to remember that as we think about what Christmas really is about. Jesus came into the world the hard way. 
And 33 years later, as a human being, he left the world in a hard way, by way of the cross, so that he could atone and pay for the sins that we have committed against our holy God. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, the Son of God, born in a hard way in a manger, also went the hard way of the cross, that we might have life everlasting. So as we think about the first uh, Christmas season, as we think about the manger, we realize that God put himself in the hardest circumstances of a sinful world simply because he came looking for me. And he came looking for you. That we might know salvation that we might know forgiveness, that we might know hope and peace, and that we might have an assurance of an eternal home in heaven. But God himself stepped out of the glory of heaven, coming to a manger in the hardest way, going out of this world in the hardest way by a cross because he was looking for us. He wanted us to be saved. He wanted us to be his children, his sons and his daughters. That's the sole reason for the manger. And that's the sole reason for the cross. He wanted you and me to be saved and belong to him. How could we do less than worship him today? How could we do less than give him honor and glory and praise and blessing for what he did that we might have life everlasting? Well, after the birth of Jesus in the manger, Mary and Joseph proceed to raise their baby in the way that all Jewish families raise their babies. While they knew that this was the Son of God, and Joseph knew by revelation of God, Mary knew by revelation of God, and the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit which brought about this pregnancy in her body, they knew they were raising someone very, very special in the eyes of God and in the history of the world, and yet they raised that baby as a common baby in the Jewish culture. On the eighth day, according to Luke chapter 2, verse 21, when the baby was eight day, days old, they have him circumcised according to the law, and they also officially name him the name that God gave to him, the name of Jesus. You remember that God gave the name of Jesus to Joseph when he was struggling over this pregnant woman he was about to marry. They were espoused, and yet... The woman he was going to marry was pregnant, and God said, this is the Son of God, name him Jesus. And of course, it was revealed to Mary before she conceived that she would carry the Son of God, and his name would be Jesus. So they named him the name that God gave to him while he was being born, even during his conception. And then according to Leviticus chapter 12, verses 2 through 5, a woman is called unclean after birth. She is considered unclean for 40 days after the birth of a son. She is considered unclean for 80 days after the birth of a daughter. And during that period of what the Bible calls uncleanness, a woman could not approach the grounds or the inside of the temple. Now, I want to say this much. There's a long explanation in the, about uncleanness in the Bible and what that means. But let me say this much today. That's an entire sermon in itself. But let me say this much. Uncleanness did not mean that a woman was dirty or that she was contaminated after birth. But rather, it is, it's tied with the fact that it's associated with her body being restored after the shedding of blood during the birth process. She's not dirty. She's not 
contaminated, but rather her body's in the process of restoration. But when Jesus was one month and ten days old, 40 days after the period of Mary's uncleanness was done, Joseph and Mary bring him to the temple in Jerusalem to present him to the Lord God and to dedicate him. Now, every Jewish family who was true to the faith in God did the same thing. Probably every day of the year during the temple's opening hours, there were couples, moms and dads, bringing their babies to the temple to be dedicated before God. It was a common act. So Mary and Joseph didn't do anything that was out of the ordinary, really. They were bringing their son, just as all good Jewish couples brought their children to God to dedicate to him. A common act of the faithful Jewish family. And as they bring Jesus to the temple to dedicate him to God, that's where our scripture picks up today. I want you to turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. To the chapter that we go to in the Christmas season, chapter 2, Luke chapter 2. But I'm going to extend a little further into the chapter today. And I want to tell you this, as I told the early group this morning, I've not preached on this passage. In 38 plus years, I've not preached on this passage. I've preached on parts of it. I've preached on words from it, but not the entirety of what I'm going to preach on today. So this is a first-time sermon uh, during the Christmas season. Luke chapter 2, go to verse 25. Joseph and Mary met a very godly man when they brought their son Jesus to the temple. Let me give you an understanding of this man before we read the Scripture. This man's name was Simeon. He was definitely Jewish. Most likely, he had lived in Jerusalem for many, many years. And he was a common face and a common presence at the temple because he had a wonderful, deep relationship with God Almighty. He loved the Lord. He was a familiar face. And as he got older, God gave him an assurance and perhaps answered a request of his. But God gave Simeon the assurance that before he died, before he left earth, Simeon was going to see the Messiah, the Savior of God, sent to the world. That was his request of God, that he would see the Messiah before he died. So as we think about this great man of God seeking God's face, seeking God's will, look at this passage, Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 25. Hear these words. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law... Then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, 
Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. May God add his blessing to the reading of this scripture on this Sunday before Christmas. Now, as we look at Simeon, Scripture says that the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit rested on him. Remember, this is the period of time before the coming of Pentecost, before the church was born, before the Holy Spirit rested on the people of God. And, of course, you know that as a child of God, when you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that the Spirit of God moves into our heart and into our life and does not depart. But in the Old Testament day, we can see that the Spirit of God rested on one, but God could lift that Spirit off of that person. But it says here that regularly the Spirit of God rested on Simeon. He was a godly man. And in his life, he had this close, unique walk with God his Father. He was unusually spiritual. I think of him in terms of Abraham. If you remember this, in James chapter 2, verse 23, the Bible describes Abraham as a friend of God. And as I read about Simeon, I see that same description fitting him, that Simeon was a friend of God, that they conversed one to another, that the the line of communication was always open between Simeon and God. And Simeon listened to the Word of God and followed the walk of God every day. He and God conversed freely, and God assured him that he would not pass away until he had seen the Savior, the Christ. And on one blessed day, God directs Simeon to go to the temple. As friend to friend, God says, Simeon, today, be sure you don't miss visiting the temple today. Something's going to happen there that's going to change your life. So be sure that you go to temple worship today. And as Simeon stands at the temple grounds, he sees a couple coming. Again, remember, I believe on this particular day, there were probably other couples coming to the grounds of the temple to present their child, their newborn, to the Lord God Almighty, to dedicate their child to the Lord. But there was something different about this couple. And as they walked towards Simeon, He felt the hand of God on his shoulders that he was to approach this particular couple with this particular baby coming to the grounds of the temple to dedicate that child to the Lord God. Now, in our day and age, you know, if you were to meet a strange man on the corner and he said, can I hold your baby? Most mamas would say, no, no, that's not going to happen today. But in this culture, it was common for people to hold babies. And so Simeon obviously asks permission to hold this baby in his arms. And Mary, I'm assuming, is the one who's carrying the baby, lays that baby into Simeon's arms. And as Jesus rests in his arms, Simeon blesses God. He prays to God. And I'm sure that Simeon prayed in this way. This is just a a, a, a heart assurance for me. 
Yes, Jesus prayed outside of the tomb of Lazarus. You remember he didn't look at the ground or close his eyes, but rather he turned his eyes heavenward and blessed and praised God before the resurrection of Lazarus. And I believe in this particular moment that Simeon, the friend of God, turned his eyes heavenward and probably with tears in those eyes said, Lord God, now I can depart this earth because I am holding the Messiah. You have revealed to me that through this couple, you have given the Christ to the world. And I am overwhelmed that I hold him in my arms these moments. And so when my day comes, I can depart this world in peace because you have fulfilled your word to me. I want you to look at what Simeon says. Look at Luke chapter 2, verses 30 and 31. Simeon says this, For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. Now, Simeon says two very important things about this baby that he's holding in his arms. First, he says, as I look at the face of this little boy, I literally see salvation in my arms. And what I hear in that passage and what I hear in those words from Simeon is this. Salvation does not come by saying a prayer. And salvation does not come by being baptized. Salvation itself does not come by having your church, uh, your name on a church membership roll. Salvation does not come because you're a biblical scholar. Salvation cannot come because you're moral or because you're good. But what Simeon says is salvation comes by knowing Jesus Christ in a personal relationship. He said, I am looking salvation in the face as I hold this baby. Salvation comes by Jesus Christ and knowing Him and having a relationship with Him and walking with Him and allowing Him to walk with you, with me. Simeon said salvation is the face of Jesus. Salvation is knowing God through a direct relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus said it well Himself. And that he is the way and he is the truth and he is the life. And no man, no woman will come to the Father but by him. John 14. Simeon says the same thing. The only way to come to my friend God is to come through this baby, Jesus the Christ. We surrender to him. We worship him. We honor him. We praise him. We live for him. And we give our life to him. So salvation has a face. And salvation has come. He has a name, and his name is Jesus. We want to have that walk with him as the Son of God. Amen? That is salvation. Now, the second thing that Simeon says is important to us. Look at verse 32 of Luke chapter 2. He says, A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. So as this old man looks at this baby in his arms, he says, here is the Savior of my family, Israel. Here is the Messiah of the Jews. Here is the one who has come to save us, to forgive us, to give us life. And if you look back at verse 25 in Luke chapter 2, it says that, that Simeon was looking for the consolation of of Israel. 
consolation, the Greek word is paraklesos, and it means the comfort, the Savior, the peace, the hope of Israel. He was looking for the Messiah to come to his family alone. You hear that? You see that? Simeon was looking for the Savior of the Jews. He was looking for the Messiah of Israel. And yet, in these words, what we see is that God opens Simeon's view. He's not just the Savior to the Jews. He's the Savior of us all. Because he says, this is not just the Savior, the Messiah of Israel. This is the light to the Gentiles. And this is the Savior of my own family, the Jews. So what Simeon knows is that this is not just my family's Savior. This is the world's Savior I'm holding in my arms. That's our good news, church. We're not preaching the gospel to a certain color of people. We're not preaching the gospel to a certain nation of people. We're not preaching the gospel to a certain people of financial standing. We are preaching the gospel to an entire world because Jesus came for us all. Praise God, our message is worldwide. And it's meant for every nation, for every color, for every person to come to Jesus. Jew and Gentile alike. That's good news for us. That's good news for me. Because as I considered this passage and what God was teaching Simeon, that he was a light to the Gentiles, I said, thank you, Lord, that Jesus is the light to the Gentiles because there's not one cell of Jewish blood in me. I am completely 100% Gentile, and I need a Savior. And the world needs a Savior. And he's meant for all. He's meant for every person. Black, white, and every shade in between, Jew and Gentile alike, Jesus came for us all. And that's what God said to old Simeon as he held that baby in his arms. Well, let me move ahead in this scripture. In his meeting with Mary and Joseph and Jesus there on the temple grounds, Simeon then looks at Mary, Jesus' mother, and he gives her words specifically. I've also thought about that. Why did he speak specifically to Mary? Why did he cut Joseph out of that equation? I think the reason is because soon after the biblical record records Jesus' birth, and after we see Joseph when he's 12 years old, he disappears from the Scripture. It seems that Joseph dies when Jesus is young. And so Simeon is speaking to Mary because she's going to live the long term. And she's going to see what happens to this boy as he grows up. So Simeon gives her three statements directly to Mary, the mother. And I want you to hear them. Look with me at verses 34 and 35. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary, his mother, so specific words to Mary, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. And for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. So as we see those two verses of Scripture, we see three statements that Simeon makes specifically to Mary, the mother of Jesus. Here's statement number one of those three. He said, this child is set for the fall and the rising again of many in Israel. Now, literally, 
What old Simeon is saying here is that Jesus will either be, this baby in my arms, Jesus the Christ, will either be a stepping stone up to God, or he will be a stumbling stone away from God. There will be no middle ground. This is the Savior. He is the way. He is the truth. And you will either step up to God through him, or you will reject him and stumble away from God. You will either rise, or you will fall upon the life of this little one as he grows to be an adult, as he becomes the Savior of the world. So Simeon says, if you accept Jesus in faith, then you step up, you rise up to salvation and to life and to God's blessing and and God's favor and God's honor and God's home. We will rise up through faith on this one Jesus the Christ, the way, the truth, the life. But if you reject him, If you ridicule him, if you ignore Jesus, you will be lost and you will stumble away from God and away from heaven and toward hell and guilt and unforgiveness. You will either rise up to God through him or you will stumble away from God because you reject him. You will rise again or you will fall. And it's your decision depending on how you feel and how you receive and how you respond to the invitation of Jesus Christ. You either step up or you stumble away. Here's statement number two that Simeon makes to the mother of Jesus. Jesus will be a sign spoken against. I remind you that the miracles of Jesus were called signs. They were physical evidence of the power of God. Jesus is the human sign of God that we have the Savior who came for us. When we, through the pages of Scripture, see him physically as a human being, as the perfect Lamb of God coming to us in our mind's eye, as we see him die on the cross for our sin, we're seeing the sign of God that he loves us and that he wants to save us. He is the sign, the physical human sign of God that we have a Savior. And Simeon says, the sign of God, Jesus, will be spoken against. The human being Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God, the literal human sign that God wants to save us will be spoken against. And as he speaks to Mary, he says, in your lifetime, Mary, as Jesus' mother, you will hear him spoken against. Not all will receive him. Not all will believe him. Not all will come to him as Savior. Not all people will receive him as Lord. Not all people will welcome him into their lives. There will be many people, as you see this boy grow to man, there will be many people who will criticize him. And many people who will blaspheme him. And many people who reject him publicly. Sadly, as people speak against him, those words will become actions. And in Simeon's prophecy, what he is saying to Mary is that one day, not only would people speak against him, but she would hear words of accusation against him. And she will know that he has been falsely accused of crime. And he will be falsely given the sentence of an old rugged cross. 
He would be spoken against and he would be rejected as the Savior and he would be tried and he would be beaten and he would be crowned with thorns and he would be sentenced as a criminal, spoken against, even as the Savior of the world. Mary, your little boy will be spoken against. And then the third thing that Simeon says to the mother of Jesus is painful to hear. He says, and Mary, a sword will pass through your heart also. A sword will pierce you as well. Now, we know what Mary could not know in that moment. We are on this side of the gospel's message. And we know that 33 years after Jesus was born in the manger and dedicated at the temple... In 33 years, he would go to the old rugged cross and he would literally die there. He would be surrounded by soldiers with swords and lances and immediately after he passes away on the cross, they will lance him through the side to make sure that he is truly dead and blood and water will flow from his body. She will see her son pierced on the cross. But Simeon says, not only will you see your son pierced, but you will be pierced in your soul as well as you watch what happens. We know what happens. Here on this Sunday before Christmas, we know 33 years later that he would die on a cross. Mary did not know that yet. She would have to wait 33 years to understand what Simeon was saying to her. But I'm sure as she stood at the foot of the cross with John the disciple by her side that when she saw her son mounted on that cross, she thought about dedicating that little boy at the temple and that old man holding him in his arms and what he said to her. He was telling her that she would watch this undeserved, cruel act taken out on her son. And a sword of pain and sorrow would pierce her own soul. But she would understand that 33 years later. For me, ladies and gentlemen, this scripture is very emotional. But I preach it to you today on the Sunday before Christmas because I don't want us to lose the meaning of what the manger is all about. It is the beginning of God's physical human plan to bring us salvation. And God chose the hardest route to bring forgiveness to you and to me. Born in a cold barn, unsanitary conditions, living a life where he had one set of clothes that he wore. And we know that he lived a life that wasn't rich, that had no home, And yet Jesus Christ lived daily as the Lamb of God. And 33 years later, he would die on the cross in the worst of agony to bring us life. Mary would have to wait 33 years to see this plan fulfilled. You and I will wait four months. Today we gather on the Sunday before Christmas to thank God for the manger, for the cradle, for the Christ child. But in about four months, we will gather on Good Friday and bow our heads because he will die for us on the cross. We know the plan now 
much better than Mary could have known it then. A Savior who came to die. And I've said that statement in many, many sermons, but we can't miss it. A Savior who was born to die that we might have life. He went through the hardest of circumstances that you and I might have the comfort of sitting in a sanctuary to worship Him. How could we do less for Him than worship Him? And how could we do less for Him than surrender our lives to the One who came for us that we might have life everlasting Jesus came ultimately to lay down his life and be risen again that you and I might have the opportunity for salvation. We worship the joy of the manger here in December, but in a few months we will weep at the cross because of what Jesus did for us. So what I'm saying to you is don't let the Christmas holidays absorb what the true message of Christmas is. It is a joyous season. The Savior came for us. But we never lose sight of the fact that he came to die for us. The beginning of God's plan to save us, as we see it in human form revealed. I pray that this coming week, you and I will celebrate the joy of Christmas. But I remind you, the little manger bed had the cross looming over it. When Jesus was 12 years old at the temple, talking to the great teachers of the law, and they were amazed at what he knew, the cross was looming over him at 12. We lose sight of him in the gospel records from 12 years old to 30 years old when he begins his public ministry. But in those unknown years, the cross loomed over him. In his ministry, the cross loomed over him. He told his disciples, I'm going to die, but I will rise again. The cross loomed over him. He came for us, and he came to give himself to us. Don't lose what Christmas is really about. Amen? Worship him this year. And today, if you're here and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to know this, this warm rush comes over me when I speak these words because they're not mine. These words belong to Jesus. I simply am given the privilege to speak them. If you need a Savior, if you need the Savior, He's waiting for you. He came for you. He was born in a manger for you. He went to a cross for you. He walked from a grave for you because he loves you and he wants you as his daughter. He wants you as his son. He wants you to have life and hope and peace and eternity. He wants you. He wants you. But you have to want him. You have to want him. You have to ask him to come into your heart. And the last few words of the Bible, in the last words of Revelation, it says, Whosoever will, Jesus will receive and accept as son or daughter. If you need him today, if you're in this sanctuary, if you're watching by streaming, if you need him today, wherever you are, simply say, Lord Jesus, I want a relationship with you. I want to pray a prayer of a relationship with you and open my heart and give you the best gift and the only gift I can give you. And that's my heart. That's the throne of my heart. Come, live in me. Put your spirit in me. Walk with me every step of my life. And I will honor you. If you need him today, wherever you are, today you come. And he will receive you when you come in faith. That's the promise of the word. Church home, a healing, whatever you need, he meets us here. 
right now. Let's pray together. Our Father, our God, thank you, Lord, for this passage. I've never preached on it fully before. And yet how it moves me, Lord, that Simeon gave words that promised the world the, salva- the, 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 world's, the salvation of God. Not just a particular family, not just a color, not just a nation, but all the world, Jew and Gentile alike. A Savior has come for us. But Father, as we celebrate Christmas this week, I pray that we never lose sight of what Christmas is all about. Jesus came. He was born in a manger. in the peace, Lord, that you give to us in that. But help us to bear in mind that he came in order to die. Mary wouldn't know that for 33 years. But we know it today. And in four months, we will meet together to thank you that you gave your life for us. And that you rose from the grave for us. Today, Father, for the people of God, for myself, I pray that we will not lose what Christmas is really about. A Savior who came to seek me out. To seek out every person in the world. If there's one, Lord, who does not know you, I pray he or she will pray a simple prayer with me. Dear Lord, thank you that you love me. You love me so much that you came for me. You died for me. You rose from the grave for me that I might have forgiveness and eternal life as a son or daughter of God. Today, Lord, in the Christmas season, I give you the only gift and the best gift I have. I give you my heart. And I ask you to take the throne and live in me that I have a personal relationship with Jesus as my Savior. Thank you, Lord, for loving me, for saving me in Jesus' name. One person, Lord, who prays that prayer in faith fulfills what Jesus said, whosoever will come to Jesus as Lord and Savior and you will accept them as your own. Bless us in this moment, I pray, and I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.